ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. And that's right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer, alongside my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. And uh, Dan, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, after the, a rough stretch, the, it's freaking getting scary. I mean, it's just freaking getting nervous. I mean, you've seen me post that meme. I can't keep coming. I'm a Mets fan. This <laughs> whole month of September is going to describe that. I mean, thank God we won. We won, we won the first game of the doubleheader. As I as I'm looking now, we're up seven. We're up seven nothing. We're up. We're up seven nothing in the first game. In the in the in the bottom of the fourth. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So they they won that first game five one. They they're up seven nothing in this game right now. After a couple of shaky days, uh, you know things are back to normal, right? Yeah, hope hopefully, hopefully this time. I mean, I got I I I offered I offered Jabu top shelf rum, so <laughs> hoping uh this top shelf rum is the appeases Jabu the week. Well, and, well, you know, <clears throat> hey, when you when you look, what's that? Please steal the rum. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And you you know who definitely didn't steal his rum earlier today? That was uh um Chris Bassett. As Chris Bassett looked awesome today, seven innings, uh one run, um, really looked good, kept the you know the base pads clear for the most part, and uh just went out there and gutted it out through seven innings. Great job by Chris Bassett. They're hoping that they get the same thing, maybe six, maybe seven innings, depending on how hard they want to push to Grom tonight. Um, so hopefully we get that. But unfortunately, one guy that we're not going to be seeing for a little while is uh, Max Scherzer, who we learned today has been placed on the IL 15-day, uh, the old-school 15-day um, injured list, uh, retroactive to September 4th. So the next possible time we have to see him is on september 19th um definitely a little scary how you feeling in regards to the scherzer injury hoping right now that everything works out that it's just two starts and he's back in time all right we need the guy especially we need we need me to have hopefully it works out i think i think it i think it looks like it could work out uh the Grom and Scherzer pitching in that Atlanta series, which is going to be such a key series. I mean, I wish the airfare wasn't as high as it is to get to Atlanta and uh, the the ticket prices because they sold out on the resale. It, it it looks like the prices. I mean, it's it's going to be like fifty bucks on the resale just for one ticket. So in the just for one ticketing upper deck. So, but. If, if if there wasn't so much that could make it a little difficult, I I would I would if I could fly, fly out there for that series if I could. No doubt about it, man. That you know, and I might set as at a bar because 
that looks like the series. I might have to watch that at Donovan's because that looks like it's. It could be the series that defines the whole season right there. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, for, for the most part, it's looking like there's no chance that it's not going to be that. Um, the Braves just don't lose. They, they, they were showing a, the record before. The Braves are 64 and 24 since the end of uh, May, which is just absurd. To be, they're 40 games over 500. They've they're you know they're they've been ridiculous. And even so, even after that, after the Mets Braves series that happened, where the Mets ended up taking four of those five games, the Mets since then have gone 16 and 12. Which looked, I mean, that's not great, but it's also not terrible. Um, in that same stretch, the Braves have gone twenty, now twenty-one and five. Just absolutely crazy. They're playing over eight hundred ball over the last month. This team just doesn't lose. And you know the the Mets look. They they had a ten game lead on June first. That got whittled down. They ended up. You know, it was a half game. They built that back up to seven games. We, you know, we forget about that. After the Mets took that that four or five, it was, they they ended up building up a seven game lead, and that got whittled down again. Um, we we watched the Braves tie the Mets yesterday. Um, now, luckily, where it looks like the Mets are going to have a doubleheader sweep today, um, as long as they hold on for this win, that means coming into Friday's game against the struggling Marlins. The Mets are at least going to have a half game lead of uh, first place. But I mean, it was the first time yesterday was the first day since April 11th that the Mets hadn't had sole possession of first place. And uh, Dan, you know, what was your reaction to that? Were you one of these people that were hitting, that were hitting the panic button or were you a little bit more confident in your team? I was confident, but a little bit nervous at the same time. I mean, it's, it's like we can't go on. It's like it's like they always go on these long winning streaks, and we can never gain anything on these long these long winning streaks. Hopefully, we get a long winning streak ourselves because we need it. And uh, also, I uh, I I have to say, hope um, I feel like we're kind of lucky we're not facing Alcantara this weekend. Uh, yeah, luckily Alcantara will be pitching tomorrow against the uh, Phillies before the Mets get into town. So definitely big break for the Mets. And, you know, the, the way the schedule did break down too really worked out in the Mets' favor because the Mets really missed Alcantara by just a day the last two times they played the Marlins. So let's hope the baseball gods stay on our side because, uh, you know, Alcantara probably still is if he's not leading, he's in the top three candidates for the Cy Young Award right now. And, uh, you know, but, but stand in Florida, your way out to the stands and be loud and be proud. Yeah. Speaking of Met fans and stuff, I, I'm surprised the seven line hasn't yet sold the shirt that says Bassett Hound. You know, I'm surprised about that too. Or even like dog masks or something like that. Because do you remember the old when the Phillies had Randy Wolf? You remember they used to have the Wolf Pack, and they the guys up top in, in Veteran Stadium would put on those Wolf masks. So I, it's funny you say that. I was just thinking about that recently. I, I I wonder why the Mets 
haven't gotten on that more for uh, you know uh, basset hounds. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I re- I'm really expecting any moment now you will be seeing that that shirt being sold on the Seven Lines website. It should be. It should be. And and by the way, Seven Line, if you pick that up from this podcast, direct all the money to Daniel Bobo Curlin. <laughs> They're great people. I'm a, I'm gonna be sitting with them at their last their last home game outing this year. Last home game, I'll be sitting with them. Very so cool, gonna- very cool, man. And uh, he, you know, too. So there's a couple of things I I did want to touch on with the Mets. Obviously, you know, right now we're in the softer part of the schedule, which over the weekend it didn't really feel that way with the Mets dropping Saturday's game, Sunday's game, and after the rainout on Monday, they dropped Tuesday's series opener here. A very disappointing couple of days stretch there for the Mets. The offense really struggling. Um, You know, it it looks like tonight's game, Francisco Lindor started to break out a little bit more. He's got three RBIs. He's got two doubles, one from each side of the plate. So you love seeing that out of Lindor. Um, Still not seeing too much out of Pete Alonso. Really want to see Alonso wake up a little bit, but he's been great all season. So, you know, he uh, is is due to struggle for a little bit if he wants. Um, the, the other thing, too, you know, P- Pete Alonso's got three home runs his last 32 games. What were you saying, Dan? I think he was probably going to break out, break out of that slump big time in that stretch run. Yeah, well, I I agree. I, I agree. I, I think Pete's going to come back around. But, I mean, when you hear a stretch for Pete Alonso, a guy that, you know, we've seen hit bombs for the last couple of years here, it's not too often that you see him go through a 30 game stretch where he only has three home runs. And in his last 25 games, he only has 11 RBIs. So very concerning numbers with the amount of production that we're used to seeing out of Pete. But Hey, I mean, the guy was bound to struggle at some point, right? Yeah, it was, especially with the fact that he's had to carry a bulk of weight on his team. So it does happen a bit. Also, I got, I got to say, going. Going down this stretch, uh, what was it, it going to say? Uh, I've also decided that for the rest of the baseball season, I will not be listening to any music by anyone from the state of Georgia. Just for the rest of the baseball season. Maybe one, <laughs> like a month or so after the World Series. Maybe maybe two, uh, two weeks after the World Series. There'll, there'll, be, some, uh, there'll be some Georgia-born artists in my uh, in my music rotation after that, but for the rest of the baseball season, my music rotation will not have any anyone born in the state of Georgia. Really? Well, how about once the Braves gets get knocked out of the playoffs? That then then I might do that. Then then I'll probably I'll probably bring bring back the Georgia born artists into into my rotation. But for now, but for the time being, it's it's that. Not gonna, not gonna happen. And that's the <laughs> Georgia. Believe me, if I, if I was somehow offered to somehow get to be there for that series in Atlanta, believe me, I'll be spending plenty, plenty of the money supporting the local economy. Believe me, I'll, I'll be spending some money, maybe, maybe getting some sort of barbecue, eating some peach cobbler for dessert. <laughs> very true, man. Very true. And uh, you, you know, there is one other thing that I did want to talk about too, because right, you, you know, with with the Mets right now. We're kind of in a spot where, um, you know, obviously it's a dog fight for the division title, but they're playing a bunch of crappy teams now, and you just got to hope they get the job done. 
But the fact of the matter is right now that we're in September. You know, we're playing these meaningful September baseball games that we always talk about, you know, um, that, you know, you just want to get to this point in the season and have it matter. And right now it definitely matters for the Mets, no doubt about it. But I want to ask you a question because there's something that I noticed. And maybe it's partly because most of the season, everything that Buck Showalter has touched has gone right. He's had the Midas touch all year. Everything's worked out great. You know, the bullpen he's handled beautifully. Um, he's not overworked guys. Any lineup decision he's made has worked out. That's why the Mets are 35 games over 500 right now. But one thing I did want to ask you, so let's go back. Let's go back to Saturday night. Um, Saturday night, the Mets aren't hitting. It's 2-1 in the bottom of the eighth inning. The, the bottom of the eighth is happening as the Mets are batting, and we see in the bullpen that Edwin Diaz is warming up and Adonis Medina is warming up. Now, I'll give Buck the credit that Adonis Medina has come through in certain situations for the Mets this year. He actually has. And, and a bunch of these situations where these no-name guys Buck pulls out because he has no other options, it's, it's been crazy this year how often that's worked out. But the thing that gets me is that it's 2-1. You're in a, a game right now where, look, we're, the Mets are playing the Nationals. It doesn't feel like it's a, it's a playoff game. But guess what? It pretty much is because the Braves are nipping at the Mets' heels. And they, they have been. And, and it, was, you know, it, it was three games that night, but three games quickly went down to nothing as the Mets lost the next three and the Braves didn't win any. But the thing that I want to put a light on here is that instead of bringing in Edwin Diaz in a tie in a in a game where you're down one to try to keep it there and give your team an opportunity to come back and score that run in the bottom of the of the ninth and tie it, or God forbid, maybe score two runs and win it, he brings in Adonis Medina, who proceeds to go out there and completely blow the game up. A 2-1 game within a couple of pitches became 7-1. And, you know, suddenly it's a game that you have no shot of winning going into the bottom of the ninth. So did, did you notice that, too, that it was such a... Because he did it again on, on a Tuesday night, you know, last night's game, which, which I'll, I'll, I'll get to in a minute. But on Saturday night, did you notice that at all? Because that really bothered me that he didn't bring in Edwin Diaz to hold that as a one-run game. I think he should have brought in Edwin that time. I mean, that was as bad as the decision as that time he, he, he during his time managing the Yankees when he listened to the when he took that suggestion from the assistant to the traveling secretary. Um, I mean, talk about it. I'm sure you all remember that embarrassment when uh, remember that time when Madden put his hand. That's the level of decision he made. That bad decision he made. That. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're 100% right, man. And then the thing that really got me was, okay, you know, maybe, you know, Buck's just trying to be careful with his guys. He's trying to still, you know, not push the bullpen. But even though we're, we're at that point in the season right now where it's time to push the bullpen, you, you, you know, you shied away from it in April, May, June, July, and August for good reason. Now we're in September and October, and you have to push the guys that you know can get the outs. 
we want to see Adovino out there. We want to see Seth Lugo out there. You know, we want to see Edwin Diaz out there. To a lesser extent, a guy like Tommy Hunter, maybe, even though he had a, a rough night last night. But, you know, they're running out these guys like Joely Rodriguez, who I, I, I cannot stand watching Joely Rodriguez pitch. Uh, they, they're running out that guy like they had last night, Bryce Montez de Oca. What was that? And look, the thing that really pissed me off was last night when it, it's a 4 nothing game, Brandon Nimmo hits a two-run shot to make it 4-2. So suddenly you go from a game where you don't really feel like you have a chance to win this game, where boom, you're right back into it, 4-2. He comes out and he puts in Bryce Montez de Oca, who proceeds to go out there and just like Adonis Medina did on Saturday, he blows the game wide open. Suddenly, a 4-2 game is 8-2. And I, I just don't understand because Buck Showalter, it looks to me like he has this way of managing where you, you manage a certain way when you're behind and you manage a certain way when you're ahead or tied. And, Man, I mean, there's a big difference between being behind one or two runs to being behind seven or eight runs. So I, you know, it, that type of thing just uh, was really getting to me. And did, did did you notice that last night too? Because I mean, he even had a chance to take him out where Dayoka pitched that first inning, the seventh inning, and wasn't too bad and got that first out, whatever it was, he, he, he got them down. He got out of the inning unscathed. But then when it, it was when he sent him back out for that second inning, that this guy gets lit up and you let the game get away from you. I, I just don't understand why he does that. Yeah, I think he shouldn't have sent them out for that second inning. That 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 one really bothered me. Like, Ugh. really, what is? I, I was like making that. I don't know if you remember watching the Cena videos by the AMV video game nerd, but remember when he always when he yells out, "What were they thinking?" That, <laughs> yes. When I saw that. Yeah, you, you know, you're 100% right, man. And look, you know, I, I, I don't want to go crazy. I don't want to dwell on it. You know, I, I don't want to say Buck's a terrible manager because of it, because he's not. Buck is still having a great year. The Mets are having a great year. Um, it, it was just curious to me because Buck has said this whole season, hey, you know, I we're going to take care of our pitchers early in the season so we can use them as we need them later in the year. And I that made a thousand percent chance to uh, you know a, a a thousand percent sense to me, because look the fact of the matter is, if the Mets are playing the Seattle Mariners in May, you know, and Edwin Diaz has worked three days in a row, you're you're not going to run him out there for a fourth day in a row to win this freaking game in May and blow the guy's arm out. You're not going to do that. But when you come to a situation in, you know, September now. And I know Buck even said he, he doesn't want to use guys in both ends of a doubleheader. And luckily, that didn't end up being the case today because Seth Lugo threw two shutout innings to end game one today. But I, I'm saying if if you had a save situation in in game one and a save situation in game two today, Edwin Diaz should be in both games, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, they, they should use Edwin. Be not afraid to use Edwin Diaz in both ends of that doubleheader. This is the time to do it. This is it right here. It's everything right here at this time of year. 
Absolutely, man. This is what we played all year for. And I totally get Buck being cautious most of the year. I totally get it. But, you know, it's uh, it's picking your spots. And I felt in those two spots over the last week that Buck did make a couple of errors there. But you know what? It's a long season. And uh, Buck has earned the right to make a mistake or two here and there because he's been so good this year. You know, so I can't sit here and kill the guy over it. Um, and then we, we, we do have to remember one other thing, too, that the Mets finish up this doubleheader today and then they have off tomorrow. And then after tomorrow, they play for 13 consecutive days. And all of those, for the most part, are going to be without Max Scherzer. So they're really going to have to figure things out. Obviously, they're going to be a little bit lacking um, in you know the starting department right now. Uh is that I think Tyler McGill is very close to coming back. Yes, very true. I was just going to mention that actually too. Perfect segue, buddy. Uh, that's the uh, that's the chemistry that they're always talking about. You know, so <laughs> so we're talking about right now. Just like you mentioned, Tyler McGill was actually bumped up today uh, to AAA, so he's going to be continuing his rehab down there in AAA. And as a matter of fact, also Joey Lucchese is getting bumped up. He started his rehab from Tommy John surgery uh, in single A. He had a couple of appearances that all went pretty well. He's going to be moved up to double A. So, you know, it's, it's very feasible that over the next week or two, we could be getting back both Joey Lucchese and Tyler McGill, which would be a really big boost to this pitching staff. Yep. That's for sure. That's for sure. And by the by the way, no, he's not. No, Tyler McGill is not related to Soul Goodman. <laughs> yes, yes, we can we can get that that fact out of the way. As uh, <laughs> you're a hundred percent right about that, and um, you, 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 no Breaking Bad, the character Soul Goodman. Yeah, practice law, practice law under a fake name. And his and his his birth name was James McGill. <laughs> yeah, very true, man. And um, you know, it's right now for the 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 Mets, things are not gonna be slowing down. They're gonna have this off day tomorrow, which is uh you know the day that most people are gonna be seeing this, but then they go to Miami for three, they come home for three against the Cubs. And then they play four against Pittsburgh next weekend at City Field. So it's a uh, it's going to be a real interesting next week because look, you would think that the the Mets should be on a pretty big winning streak right now <laughs> because they should have won those two games against um you know they should have won those two games against Washington last weekend or at least one of those two, and you'd think that just based off looking at the records, Washington being one of the worst teams in baseball, that the Mets would be on a winning streak right now, but that's not the case. As you know, with when you see these, this poor schedule the Mets are going up against right now, the biggest thing is to take advantage of it, right, Dan? Yeah, exactly. I was, I was like, I, I was like shocked. I mean, um, I mean the the Sunday game. I was at the I was Sunday. I it just for me complete disgust. I mean I was 
I was at the Cyclone game on Sunday, but I had the radio feed of the Mets game on my ear on my on my on my earphones, right? I had the radio feed on, and I'm just hearing like, Ugh. yeah, it was terrible, man. I I, I mean, look, he, we could give um, Carrasco a little bit of a pass because he was on the the IL, and um, you know, I I didn't think it was a very good idea bringing him back without a um a rehab start i thought he needed one rehab start um you know i thought that would have helped him a lot get like the rust off because that was one thing he he just looked uh, he, he just looked rusty and he couldn't shake it off and the, you know the nationals have been playing better baseball lately so even though they're still a bad team that's you know for the most part offensively inept there are still a lot of talented young players in there that if you make a bad enough mistake, they're going to take advantage of it. So um, I was kind of surprised that they ran Carrasco out there like that. Yeah, those last place teams scare me a lot. Yeah, I mean, and as we've mentioned before on this show, we watched a very bad Marlins team close the Mets out two years in a row in 07 08. Yeah, I remember that. I'll, I'll never forget that. And anytime I see that, those would have been playoff tickets. Yeah. Round from uh, 2007 08. I get reminded of it when I see because 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 uh, I still have those would have been those would have been tickets because uh, it wasn't something that I had to mail them back and they were they were automatically refunded to my credit card. Man, that's a shame, man. That's a shame. The uh, you know that that 07 run was just uh so bad and 08 was even you know was just as bad too but uh you know one other thing too is that I'll, i've i've seen a lot of people comparing um how the mets have done over the last few weeks and and the braves you know trying to take advantage of it and everything and uh but i don't really see many similarities between this Mets team and and you know this Braves team and the 07 Phillies and the 07 Mets because the the difference to me is that um the Phillies back then you know they were winning a lot but they weren't winning every single day just like the the um Braves are right now and the fact of the matter is the Mets are still playing pretty good baseball it's just not as good as the Braves who are absolutely killing it right what do you think about that dan i think it feels like that even though that 07 stretch felt like the phillies kept winning a lot down that stretch oh yeah it, it was terrible and they did lose a lot you're right but i'm talking about this year's team they're not losing that much they're they're still uh you know they're still playing good ball they just beat the you know that's one thing that really makes me laugh too is that the mets went out and had a rough weekend against the nationals and it it seemed like everybody just forgot that they just took two out of three from the Dodgers. And everybody was on top of the world when the Mets took two out of three from Dodgers. Everybody's screaming, oh, watch out. The Mets are the new team to beat in the National League. Uh, you know, they, they could beat the Dodgers in, in, in a seven-game series if they have to because the pitching they got. And then they have one bad weekend against the, the Nationals, and everybody's jumping off the bandwagon. I just... Look, you know, the 
this is a very long season. There's a reason why they play 162 games. You have a lot of ebbs and flows. And, man, I mean, I could be just as bad as anybody else, but you can't turn on the team just because they had a bad weekend, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel this team is probably a little bit in better shape, especially the fact that the Grom is around in the stretch run. I mean, last year, I mean, we didn't have the Grom in that, during that stretch run. And I remember last year, I felt like the Grom wasn't hurt. I don't think we would have, we either may have, even if we did have lost first place, I don't think, I think we would have gained, regained first, first place probably if the Grom was around. It just felt like that. And, and you know what, though? I do tend to agree with you that even if I'm not sure that the Mets would have won the division, because the Braves did get really hot that second half. I feel like even if they didn't win the division, they, they probably still could have won a wild card spot, right? Yeah, they probably would have won a wild card spot. And I think the playoffs might have played out a little bit different last year. Yeah. Yeah. Especially too, if you remember, if the if the Mets were pushing the Braves the whole time. Because after a certain point, the, the Mets crapped out, the Phillies crapped out. The, you know, the Nationals and the Marlins were already out of it. So the Braves, the last couple of weeks of the season, just kind of skated until the end. And no team challenged them. They weren't pushed. They weren't really in a big pennant race. So they kind of went into the playoffs nice and relaxed. Now, that might have been different, just like you said, if the Mets had been on their heels the whole time and, you know, pushing them and giving them a run for their money. Yeah, I might, I might have been a... Probably be a much different shirt I'd be wearing today. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, you know, so now, you know, let's, uh, I, to, to just, you know, wrap up with the Mets is right now we're, we're seeing, um, some very good stuff at a Jacob deGrom. So far, deGrom today, f- uh, five innings, two hits, one walk, six strikeouts, no runs, 64 pitches through five innings for deGrom right now. So really good to see him at the top of his game. I mean, and he he even too looked a little rusty. Uh, you know, you got to remember too. It's been he got a couple of extra days with the day off and the rain out and everything. So Degrom, you know, maybe a little too rested as as they'd say right now. But um, a little too rested. I think I think Degrom should have pitched yesterday. I personally think. Yeah. I think. Walter needs to not give the Grom too many days off. I meant should, should not come down his turn and the rotation too much. Be scheduled to start the next game. Make him have him as much as he can pitch on. That's I agree. Just my, that's just my opinion. I totally agree, man. Keep the Grom on an every five day regimen. Don't be bumping him back and and messing around with his days. Just Put him every fifth day. Taiwan Walker, you know, look, do I like Taiwan Walker as a person? Yes. I Do I mind Taiwan Walker as a pitcher? Not really. But would I start Taiwan Walker in a big game that matters? No. No, I wouldn't. Um, you know, Taiwan Walker has really pr- proven to me, is, you know, look, he's had, he, he had a terrible second half last year. He's had a bad second half this year. And look, the only good start the guy's had 
where you where you would say it's it's measured as a quality start is the start that he had against the the you know the Reds in the beginning of October at City Field. That's the only good start he's had. He had a bad start against the Yankees. He had a bad start against the Braves. He had a bad start against the Pirates. You know, and I like Taiwan Walker. I, I don't want to sit here and rip the guy, but he's just pitched like crap lately. And you know, you're really gonna hold the rotation up in Degrom for Taiwan Walker. They should have just held him out and started him in the in the uh, uh, doubleheader today, right? Yeah, exactly. This was this was a badly needed win, and they they, uh, they missed the boat on it yesterday. I felt. Yeah, and and you know. Having DeGrom start that opener game and getting that win, that's a good way just to put your foot on a bad team's throat, you know, where the the, the, the Pirates are a crappy team. You know, all the Mets did was, you know, especially with Taiwan Walker, look, if it's nothing, nothing, and DeGrom's dominating in the fifth inning, and then, you know, it, by the time the sixth or the seventh comes around and Brandon Nimmo hits that two-run shot, so a, a two-nothing lead could feel... in insurmountable but instead that two-run home run didn't even matter because taiwan walker had already given up four runs you know it was just uh very disappointing um and and you know i i i can't kill buck for that either because he he wants to keep taiwan walker on a regular schedule too but to me taiwan walker if the mets were starting let me ask you this question dan if the mets were starting a playoff series tomorrow against a, a good a really good team like the braves if you are the manager, are you starting Taiwan? Like, so let's just say that the way the series breaks down is that you can have four starting pitchers. So obviously you have DeGrom, you have Scherzer, and you have Bassett as the top three. If you're going to start a fourth guy and it's your choice right now, who is that fourth guy? I think at this point it might be either Carrasco or depending how well he's uh, come back, maybe even McGill. Yeah, or, or you know, I, I, I'd even throw David Peterson in that mix, too. Yeah, exactly. Even, even I, think you, I think you really hit the nail on the head, though, with the first guy, uh, with uh, Carlos Carrasco, because especially, you know, as, as long as, like you said, if he's healthy and they get him back to normal and he, you know, has a couple of good starts going into the playoffs or, you know, or, you know at least he's pitching, he's pitching pretty well for the most part. To me, there's no doubt in my mind I'm starting Carlos Carrasco in that fourth game. And sure, I'll have David Peterson ready to pitch, you know, long relief if needed. I'll have Taiwan Walker ready to pitch long relief if needed. But I'm going out there and I'm starting Carlos Carrasco because I feel like compared to all the other guys, he gives me the best chance to win. Yeah, exactly. All right. And now that we got the Mets out of the way. Uh, as always, take care of that early. Uh, we're going to transition right into... Yeah, but actually, this is what I'm calling it, the all-mugshot team. The all-mugshot team. Okay. Oh, yeah, like the all-Madden team. You're right. You're right. <laughs> that, that, that probably worked better for, for football. And yeah. Really John Madden. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, all right. When, what, we're, what we'll do here is then I'll give you the position. And then you tell me who your pick is, okay? All right. All right, Dan. So we'll start off, uh, of course, with the quarterback. Who do you have as the quarterback of your all-mugshot team? 
this one's a uh, uh, Michael Vick, you know, the for quarterback. I mean, the guy was explosive during his time at quarterback. And bear in mind, some of these players, they kind of had to look. It's going to be a. It, it, it would take up too much time to discuss all these little things about about them. But I had to look up some stuff to find to to get to get this whole all mugshot team together. Very true. Very true. And we all know the uh, you know the story with Michael Vick. You know how he burst onto the scene with the Atlanta Falcons right out of Virginia Tech, and then unfortunately for him and a bunch of dogs. Uh, Michael Vick decided to get involved in a dog fighting ring and did some time in jail for that uh, and was never really the same again. But uh, yeah, so that was a uh, definite slam dunk pick right there for uh, Michael Vick at quarterback. And our, in our first one, I mean, this one's obvious at running back. I mean, OJ Simpson, I mean, the guy supposedly in the 70s was like, the guy, the guy was like breaking records, up like crazy in the seventies, and of course we we don't need to go through the whole story of O.J. Simpson. I mean, and and anyone anyone who like like me who's lived through that can remember like was alive in nineteen eighty four or in ninety five remembers how much of an attention all the what happened. All that of attention. course, <laughs> you know we had the. The whole incident with uh, him being chased with the uh, Cato and the white Bronco and happening as we've discussed before during the Knicks Rockets NBA finals game. Uh, very, very highly publicized. So the, the first two positions that we got out of the way, uh, and obviously we're going to finish up with running back here in a second, uh, are two guys that we know very, you know, very well uh, that have been in the headlines. But for your second running back, Dan, who do you have at this position? These ones we're gonna kind of go through quick, most of them. But we got we got we got Cedric Benson at running back, and of course fullback, we've got Jamal Lewis, wide receiver. This one I never realized. Michael Irving. Oh, you, oh, you never heard about Michael Irving getting arrested? He had a lot of trouble with the law in the nineties. <laughs> Yep, I, I know this guy had a lot, but this guy was like part of the like this this one is like I see like every Cowboys fan brags about that. <laughs> every every bandwagoner is like I feel I feel like they're the Cowboys fans sometimes get a little bit almost like football's equivalent of the Yankee fans that brag about how much they won. Mm-hmm. Another of course another one's obvious plastical birds. We all remember that shot himself, literally shot himself in the foot. We, we all remember that one. And, of course, get arrested for illegal gun possession. Yeah, he but, shot himself and, you know, really derailed that giant season because the Giants still ended up going 12-4 and four that year in 2008 after they beat the Patriots. But the Giants were one of the best teams in football that year and really, yeah. really bad job by Burris, you know. Killing yeah, I felt him being out really played a factor in how that season ended. I mean, I just feel like that might have been a little bit different story. We might have been we might have even seen the first time the Giants won the Super Bowl back to back had Boris not been hurt cuz that guy seemed to be a real X factor. The guy had that quickness and the height and I feel like his height really gave him such a huge advantage. 
no no doubt about it man uh he he was definitely a matchup nightmare especially in the end zone in the red zone um and you know if you remember correctly that that super bowl that year was uh the cardinals and the steelers and you know i think the giants especially that year would have had a pretty good shot of taking out the uh the arizona cardinals if they were fully healthy because yeah, exactly. that was also the year that that Tom Brady got hurt for the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, that was. I I remember that. I remember that year very well. Another also we got at tight end Mark. Some of these names are hard to pronounce. C H M U R A. Yeah, Mike. Uh, Mark Chamara. Mark Chamara. Offensive lineman Jason Peters. Offensive lineman Barrett Robin, another offensive lineman uh, Carl Nix, defensive lineman Albert Ainsworth, and uh, this one I kind of thought seems like a seems like a weird timing that the defensive lineman also we got Will Will Smith and like the actor Will Smith, he may have had uh, maybe some uh, problems attacking someone. I mean. He was arrested for assault and battery, and we all know Will Smith during the Oscars, the whole incident. But that's very I, true. It must run with that name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, summing up with that name, and of course linebacker, and this was the crazy part. This guy was the first first football jersey I ever owned, and I probably would if, if these throwback jerseys didn't court that they started selling. They've been selling for a couple of years now since the NFL's been selling these throwback jerseys. I probably would own a Lawrence Taylor jersey that the 1980s style LT jersey. This guy was like, he was the shit when I first got introduced to the New York Giants. Absolutely, man. I remember him being involved at WrestleMania too, uh, you know, one year. And uh, he was was one of the biggest names in football and sports in general. Yeah. And by the way, LT, we'd love to have you on Best Seat in the House, by the way. You have an open invitation, LT. <laughs> so, uh, another one that Jimmy, well, well, this one's another one of Ray Lewis, of course. Yeah, everybody knows the Ray Lewis story and the uh, murder story with him and the white suit and all that stuff. So, definitely a, a good candidate for a mugshot right there. <laughs> linebacker, we got John Mosley and, uh, Cornerback, we got Samari Roll, and another cornerback, Adam Pacman Jones, free safety, Eugene Robinson, kicker, we got Sebastian Jankowski. Sebastian Jankowski, yeah, the former Oakland Raider. My God. The, I'm not pronounce this one. R-B-U-R-N. Yeah, Todd Sauerbrunn. Todd Sauerbrunn. And there we got it. The all mugshot mug team. That is your 2022 Best Seat in the House podcast. All mugshot team as presented by the great Daniel Bobo Curlin. Uh, terrific job on that, Dan. As uh, you know, we know it's definitely no secret that the NFL has uh, had a, a problem 
with uh, a bunch of their players getting arrested. And over the years, hey, that's a uh, that's quite a handful of players right there that you pulled up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Even some people whose uh, whose whose names might be shown shown up in people's uh, autograph memorabilia collections as well. Very true. Very true. And you know, while we're talking about football, I do want to touch on it real quick because honestly, there really hasn't been anything too much that happened. Uh, we're going to be starting tomorrow. You know, the uh, the first game of the NFL season is uh, t- is for us tomorrow. But for anybody watching this, and the day it comes out, it'll be tonight. Um, the, the the NFL comes back. Um, you know, big first game tomorrow night. Uh, you know, we got the uh, Rams and the Buffalo Bills, uh, the defending Super Bowl champion Rams against a very good Bills team. Uh, before we even touch in the uh, Jets and the Giants real quick, how are you feeling about that first game, Dan? Who are you looking at to come out on top? About this game, for one thing, hope all of you in the Los Angeles area with all the power outages you're going through because of, of, the, of the hot weather has been causing a lot of power outages. Hope you've got enough fuel in your generators for that for that game. Because if any of you are doing the same thing that Anthony does when he wants to watch things, hopefully you've got a big a, a big enough generator for a football game to watch a football game. Yeah, and and the way California is going, they're going to need a bigger generator because uh, you know, and, and and that's if if they even let them run them because <laughs> they're not even letting them charge their cars. Oh man. Uh, Believe me, I, I used to live in California. I'm very happy that it's no longer the case. Um, Power outages a lot there yourself. Yeah, well, luckily, t- 10 years ago when I was there, it really that really wasn't really happening. But, uh, boy, it didn't take too long for <laughs> them to turn into a third-world country. But um, you know, to, to get off California, because, believe me, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, you know, we... Uh, so. You know, we got the Bills and uh, and the Rams, like you said, tomorrow, you know, just like you said, it's happening in, in L.A. They're going to be, you know, un- unveiling their uh, their championship banner. They're going to have, you know, all the glitz and the glamour there, um, especially, you know, all the uh, the fanfare that goes with being the first NFL game of the season, that Thursday night game. Uh, what's your thoughts, Dan? Do you do you think that the. Uh, the Rams are going to win this first game. I, I believe that the Rams are two and a half point underdogs. The last I saw, which was surprising. Um, what do you think Dan? I personally think that uh, Buffalo is probably winning this one by a small margin. I feel like the, of course, uh, LA probably usually has their, their, top, their, their, their defense. And at the same time, Buffalo, I think they, they are eager to win, and uh, especially after the way their season ended, they're eager to show uh, what they can, what they can do. Bring Very on. true. Very true, man. And you know, as we uh, we turn our attention to our our two teams around here, um, you know the the Giants are uh, just uh, you know uh, obviously training camps wrapped up. We're just a couple of days away from um the first game of the season and coming out of uh Dayball's first uh, training camp and everything that went into it Dan 
what's your confidence level right now as we're preparing for the first game of the season? My confidence level, I feel this year might be more of a building block here for this team because I feel like right now the important part, Daniel Jones shows he can uh, play up to the up to the standards that are expected. I mean, he can shows he can rebound from this thing. I think also uh, also uh, Shaquan Barkley needs to show that he can uh, he, he 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 can he can up his game this year. So this is gonna be it's gonna be a make or break year. Probably, I'm hoping at least they come close to making the playoffs at least. Yeah. Maybe set the. Yeah, it I... might take years to get there, but I'll 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 take I'll take it. I mean, I hope they. I hope. I mean, I I, I mean, reality. I mean, I I would hope that they do do win the whole thing, but. I at the same time I hope they make that step forward at least make some progress. So hopefully eventually we'll get back to that uh that big stage and I'll be ha- I'll be having a rooting interest. I'll be at a Super Bowl party where I'm more glued to the TV than uh than really uh, referring. <laughs> well, you're more glued to the TV than checking out the food, right? <laughs> Exactly. It's a different experience when the Giants have been in the Super Bowl. I'm, uh, I'm kind of glued to the TV. Maybe I'm going to the bathroom every commercial. Maybe during a halftime show, especially if it's an act I'm not really so interested in. Like, uh, like what? Ha- I mean, I mean, I probably would have been interested in seeing Madonna, I mean, Madonna during the '80s, but present-day Madonna during that time, during the time of Super Bowl '46, she, mm. she wasn't any of her hits from back in the day. Didn't really enthusiasm me because of what I expected the set list was going to be for that halftime show. Mm-hmm. So I did go to the I did go I did go to the bathroom during a halftime show. <laughs> it, I did go to the bathroom during the halftime show. I'll admit that. Oh, very cool! And, and hey, at least you've had the experience of seeing the Giants in the Super Bowl because I still have not seen my team in a Super Bowl and. Uh, I'm just holding out hope that eventually one day I will. Um, and you know, for for your Giants right now, the the trek to getting back to the Super Bowl starts on Sunday, 4:05 at Tennessee. Uh, t- you know, Tennessee's a tough game. If we're gonna look at the the early portion of the Giants' schedule, um, you know, it's against Tennessee, then Carolina, their home opener. That's a game that the Giants should, you know, be in and contend to to be in um you know they're, they're playing dallas after that what's that dan i gotta say hopefully that game against carolina hopefully i got a good a bragging right off of, off of a good a good friend of mine who somehow you no know, he's a he's a new yorker or some and, and it's a fellow met fan a friend of mine himself somehow ever since he's lived in the carolinas he's been a panthers fan panthers wow that's surprising yeah i hope Believe me, I've seen. I, I'm surprised how I became a Panthers fan and how I became a fan of the Carolina Hurricanes. But oh. anyway, hopefully, hopefully I got a bra- Hopefully I got that bra- Hopefully I get that bragging right during week two. Right, as much as much as love my friend Jack. Oh, hopefully, hopefully I get bragging right. I mean, get also also since he's a truck driver, I got to give a shout out to the truck drivers of America. God oh yeah, bless. these what? guys, are hard work. 
everyday heroes that's delivered just about everything in your house has been delivered by these trucks, by these guys who spend a lot of time away from their friends and family on the road. Very true. Very true. And you, you, you definitely, uh, well, we definitely got to give the love to the truckers. We love the truckers here on best seat in the house as uh, we've given this shout out before in the past. Speaking of that, one of these days, I always, I'm always, I'm what that might, I would love to do that one of these days, maybe hitch a ride with one of my truck driver friends, you know, from other and maybe take a trip to that state, you know, whatever state he went to, let's say, and uh, just, just see what it's like going, traveling from a state, one state to another on a, on a truck like that. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see what that's like one day. Very true. That'd be awesome, man. That'd be awesome. Maybe we could work that out. Your buddy who is a uh, Carolina fan, maybe you can make a bet with him that if the Giants win, he has to take you on a trip somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's <laughs> somewhere good. I, I, usually, usually, I usually never know where he's going because he's all over the place. I mean, I'm, I'm, I always joke around when I talk to him on the phone. I'm saying like, eh, where, where, where you happen to be headed out today? <laughs> all over the place. They go all over the place. No doubt about it, man. Definitely all over the place. And um, sometimes in Christmas parts and stuff, he sends me these scratchers from uh, various states. <laughs> Scratch off tickets from various states. Very cool. And, and you know, also to uh, to keep rolling here at the NFL too, we 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 mentioned the Giants. Dan, what do you think about the uh, news that came down earlier uh, earlier today? Actually, that the Jets had named. Uh, Joe Flacco as the week one starter. Um, I didn't think there was much of a surprise to it. Did you? That was not much of a surprise. I mean, I mean, Jet fans, it's either going to go really well or really self. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna, I mean, I could imagine Jet fans are nervous about that. Those, those first couple of weeks, depending how long Zach Wilson's out. I mean, uh, I mean, as you remember last week, I called back to that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Yeah. Yep. Yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and it's true. It's true, man. You know, the, the thing with the Jets, too, is that they, they didn't really have much of a choice where it's okay. We knew that Zach Wilson wasn't going to be ready for the first week. There was no reason to rush the kid. We even said it on, you know, here on the show weeks ago. That don't rush him. If as, as long as he's back, um, you know, and and looking that he could be productive by by whatever week three, week four, the beginning of October, there shouldn't be any rush. You know, these first four games the Jets are playing are going to be really, really tough as they play uh, all four members of the AFC North to kick this season off. So it's going to be Flacco playing against his former team. Uh, the uh, Ravens on opening week in uh, MetLife. Then after that, the Jets are going to be uh, playing Cleveland. Uh, obviously, the Deshaun Watson list, Cleveland Browns. Um, after that, they're uh, taking on Cincinnati and then finishing up that four-game stretch with Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, where the Jets never fare well. So, you know, the, the they're just going to have to. Uh, I, I I think it's a it's a break too because even though I like. Um, Zach Wilson and their future is obviously in Zach Wilson's hands. I think that the matchup and the experience level 
works out in the Jets' favor that Zach Wilson missed a tough game like the Ravens' defense, right? Yeah, he probably may he may have caught a break. Also, I have to say regarding the Giants, I'm looking at the schedule, and we're we're playing. The Giants are playing on Thanksgiving this year, so I'm hoping we're still at least we're still in contention. That I want to at least may have that game be relevant while I'm in front of my TV eating my uh my uh, Thanksgiving dinner in front of the TV that time. I'll probably have to set up one of those little tape those table one of those tables in the living room to if the if the knowing how uh how like late in the afternoon or sometimes around like seven Sundays knowing because of how long it cook, takes to like cook all that stuff for Thanksgiving. I'm probably it's probably gonna be around game time. I'll be uh I'll be eating. So Yeah, I, I mean as Jets and Giants fans with all the crap that we watched over the last couple of years, they're the only thing we really have to ask for is that just Hey, by Thanksgiving time, and as you know, the Jets aren't playing on Thanksgiving this year, but the Giants are. Just, just be relevant for both of our teams. Just be relevant. Be around five hundred at least. Be in playoff contention because, man, we can't have it be you know, Halloween again this year, and the the Jets and the Giants are completely irrelevant by that point. We we cannot have that again. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't. I don't want to go through that again. What I want to have something that makes the winter go go by a little faster. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? If uh, if if you're watching this show too, don't forget to stick around because uh, we're going to be finishing up today's show with um, uh, our much anticipated stump the bow segment with the the big stump the bow question. Um, but before we move on to that though, I do want to talk about the Yankees real quick because. Boy, it's been a, a a rough go for the Yankees. Um, I mean, the, the one the one constant that keeps happening for them is Aaron Judge hitting home runs. The guy is an absolute monster and has fifty five home runs now. Um, the, the Yankees just won by the skin of their teeth this afternoon. They put up two runs in the bottom of the ninth to take the the day cap of the doubleheader five to four. They're currently trailing one nothing right now. Um, but I mean, this is a team, you know, everybody wants to talk about the Mets the last couple of days about how Atlanta has whittled their division lead down and all this stuff. But the, the Yankees had a 16 game lead in their division and it could be down to four and a half by the end of today. It, it was already four. Um, but man, it's just crazy to me. Um, the free fall the Yankees have been in and sure they've been able to try and straighten things out for a couple of days here and there. But I mean, it, what's your gut reaction, Dan, right now? Do, do you think the Yankees hold on to this division title or do you think that they're in a free fall that just can't be stopped? Well, uh, well, well part of me kind of wanted to say to some of my fellow Yan Yankee fan friends, my Yankee fan friends, so yeah, now you're trying to know what it's like with us Mets fans those two years. But then, at the same time, I'm thinking like, I don't know if the kind of word is them panicking because I know most of them, at least some of the ones my age, have gotten to see that. The Yankee fans my age, they've gotten to see that whole dynasty, and they. But I know there are some younger Yankee fans that may have not not gotten to know that dynasty, but. 
I have to say the yeah, they gotta be nervous. They probably have to be nervous at this time. They got they gotta be nervous and it's gonna I have a feeling if the Yankees don't make the playoffs that Brian Cashman is gonna be would probably be fired. I well, just have Well either way that the I mean eat Either way, they're going to make the playoffs because they're, they're still far ahead enough in the wild card and all that stuff that they'd still make the playoffs. But, well, let me ask you this question. Do you think, because obviously what you were going to say is that if the Yankees don't make the playoffs, Brian Cashman should be fired, which I, I don't disagree with. I think you're right about that. But let me ask you this. If the Yankees blow the division but still hold on to the wild card and, and make the playoffs, you know who who knows what can happen from there, but do you think they that the Yankees should keep Brian Cashman as long as they make the playoffs, or do you think that this whole thing has just been too ugly and they should just get rid of him and start over? Might might be depending on how that first round goes. That if, even if they even if they have to play as a wild card, but it might might depend on that. And I never expected that. We could see it actually happen unexpectedly. Brian Cashman be fired, which seems shocking. How I'm surprised the Yankees kept the GM that long. Because I mean, I, I, I mean, we all remember that running gag from that Seinfeld episode. Yeah, surprising that we kept the GM. I gotta give props to him for sticking around that many years because we don't normally see GM stick around that many years. That's very true. I mean, especially with the Yankees, like you said, because sometimes they could, uh, you know, and even at different times during George's reign, you know, it seems like they could be going through executives and managers and all this shit like the, you know, they're, they're going through water. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Very interesting stuff with the Yankees now. Um, and hey, you know, they it's, it's not getting any easier because after they get done with uh, the series against the Twins, where, you know, it's been a little up and down for them. Then they got to play Tampa Bay for one more big series where Tampa Bay did a lot of damage to the Yankees last week. So, um, you know, the Yankees are going to be hopefully for them getting Nestor Cortez back relatively soon. Um, you just got to hope that you can ride a guy like, uh, you know, Garrett Cole and see if he can be that $300 man for you, a $300 million man for you because that's what he is. The Yankees have their future securely invested in guys like him. And, uh, you know, the the one last thing before we turn the page on the Yankees, though, Dan, Aaron Judge, we mentioned earlier, 55 home runs. He's got he's right now on pace for, I believe, 66 home runs. Um, 61 is the Yankees number. 73, obviously, is the number for bonds, but that's just fucking ridiculous. Um, he's not going to get to 73. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he has a shot? Uh, well, I mean, he definitely has a shot, but but do you think he's going to beat that Roger Maris 61 number for the Yankees? I think there's a 50-50 chance that happens, and he's already, it's already I'm sure he's already, it's already cha-ching, cha-ching during the offseason for him, but he breaks that record. If he breaks that record, if he passes that 61 mark, Maybe add a couple of more to change to that. <laughs> Very well said. Very well said. You're right about that, buddy. 
And uh, hey, with that, we're coming down to the final stretch here of the Best Seat in the House podcast. And we've got one more thing that we want to get to. We have uh, a special little game here we're going to be playing. We're going to be playing this every week now. So if you want to, to play this game, it's called Hashtag Stump the Bow. And what we're going to be doing here is just every week we're going to give a... Um, a trivia question to my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin, and it's just going to be any kind of sports trivia. This this week, we're starting off with baseball, but it could be any sport that you want, for the most part, you know, tennis, whatever, stuff like that. It's going to be, it's going to be a big sport, at least one of the main four. And um, so if, you know, if you want, uh, please find us on Twitter at bsith underscore podcast and hashtag any of your tweet with hashtag stump the bow and just send us any question that you want, you know, obviously include the answer or at least give us the ability to, to look up the answer ourselves, And uh, I will direct uh, everything else. And uh, we will play this game. And my co-host Daniel Bobo Curlin will be under the microscope when we play stump the bow. <laughs> and that's what we're starting off this time. Dan, you ready to go? ready to go all right we're going to be starting off hashtag stump the bow with a question from one of our loyal listeners on twitter um joshua over here he did um let me see it right here okay his question is who is the only person to win world series mvp for the yankees and then pitch for the mets after that Dan, give yourself a question, uh, a, a second to soak that question in. I'll repeat it in a second. Who is the only man to win World Series MVP for the New York Yankees and then play for the Mets after that? See, I think it would probably be Ralph Terry. Is Your, your answer is Ralph Terry? Dan? Yeah. That is absolutely correct. Whoa. That is right. There we go. You can't stop the ball. You're right about that, man. <laughs> absolutely. You cannot stop the ball as Ralph Perry won World Series MVP for the Yankees in 1962 and then pitched for the Mets in 1966 and 1967. And, he, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what else you need to see. Um, hashtag Stump the Bow is off and running. He is one for one right here on September. We, we, people are going to be seeing this on September 8th, 2022. We start the streak. Cal Ripken Jr. is going to be looking in his rearview mirror. Um, Joe DiMaggio looking in his rearview mirror because hashtag Stump the Bow is coming for you right now. And uh, <laughs> with that, ladies and gentlemen, we had a lot of fun on uh, today's show. Uh, you know, thank you for tuning in. Um, Dan, before we get out of here, you have any plugs for yourself? Sure. sure. You got my, my got my Twitter, Bobo103NYC. Got my Instagram, Bobo718DK. My YouTube, Daniel Curlin. Also, I'll be performing this Sunday Brooklyn Comedy Club in the, I believe it's in the Williamsburg area of Brooklyn. You, you, you could definitely check out, check out the show, check out our shows, uh, 
Twitter page. The links will be there. They're on my. They're, I've tweeted the link also. That Brooklyn Comedy Club's in the Williamsburg area, Brooklyn, around the early evening on a on a on a Sunday, September 11th. Definitely come. Definitely come by. See me. Before. I'll be part. I'll be part of it. I'm on the bill for his stand-up show. Been been working on the material for it. Didn't, didn't expect they'd be booked at asked to do a comedy show, but I knew I'd be able to pull this off for for a little bit, and uh, I'm excited about it. I I feel like this. I feel like my set's got some laughs in it, and I hope the and I hope the audience likes it. Definitely come by. Definitely, definitely swing by the Williamsburg area, Brooklyn, to Brooklyn Comedy Club that evening, and uh, come see it. Absolutely. Do yourself a favor and check Dan out to, uh, and, uh, on Sunday night, September 11th uh, at Brooklyn Comedy Club. We'll have all the information on the video. So do yourself a favor and check that out. We'll also be tweeting it out, too. So if you want to check it out, uh, be, be sure to check out our social media. Uh, you can check out our podcast. Tickets are on sale now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly and if you want to get those tickets one of the places you could check them out because we'll, we'll, we'll be putting the links up too is uh on bsith underscore podcast on twitter you can you can also check me out on twitter at my last name kramer ny so you know we want to thank everybody for tuning in and playing along and hanging out with us on on this show uh, a lot of fun today we're gonna have a lot of fun next week too as we're really going to be able to sink our teeth into this brand new NFL season. So uh, thank you for sticking around with us. Uh, and uh, thanks again. Best Seat in the House podcast. I'm your host, Rob Kramer, alongside Daniel Bobo Curlin. And have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week.